training the complete athlete, gaining the performance edge with Coach Koss. To find out more, go to trainthecompleteathlete.com. So I'm excited to welcome Rocky Vitali today. Uh, I've known this guy for a very long time, and it's it's become almost humorous how I meet people. Rocky just sent an email. He was reaching out to connect um, his athletes uh, with college coaches to get them recruited. And I mean, buddy, that was like eight years ago. And we've stayed friends all, all, all this time. Um, he is the director of Lambert Academy, and that is a charter school up in Victoria, Canada, and it's one of the most phenomenal concepts that I've been around. Um, and it's academy that instead of doing your traditional electives, your focus is in sports, but it's not just learning how to hit a ball, learning how to catch a ball. It's the science of sports, it's the business of sports, it's all of those pieces. Uh, and when I explain this academy to kids in the States, they're so jealous because they wish that they could be spending their time in schools that get to focus on something um, that they're really passionate about. And that's, you know, it's just a rarity. And so um, one of the great things is you have been able to just study the sports inside and out and also get to know uh, student athletes inside and out. And that's going to lead to our topic today about sport IQ, because one of the things that we, we do see is lack of knowledge in our game. And you have been able to really hit that home. I've recruited and coached some of your athletes, and they're always above board when it comes to understanding their game. So I really appreciate your time, Rocky, since you're on um, the beautiful Isle of Victoria in, in the sunshine. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about this. No, it's, it's, um, it's a topic that's probably been brought to the surface through the, through the COVID that we're experiencing for me. I mean, yes, we have started this 14 years ago with the concept of creating the whole kid. Um, but, the COVID has brought into the factor of um, not being with my kids since still enabling them to grow. So it's, um, it's unleashed some new experiences for me that have led to a learning experience for me. So when we talk about uh, sport IQ, give me a few examples of what that looks like. Sport IQ. And I think it comes all the way from the weight room to practice to game is how does someone develop because everyone's different? We can't make everyone as the same person in the weight room or at practice or even stretching. I've gone away from this team stretching because everyone is different because I, I was different. I, I kind of picked that up when, you know, I'm a catcher. I'm not a shortstop. I can't, I'm not going to stretch and warm up like my shortstop did. Um, it, it becomes to understanding that you have a lot of individuals that make up our make up a team mm -hmm. and you're trying to get the best out of everyone and getting them the knowledge to be able to work. You know, we say champions are built when no one's watching, you know, making sure that they have the tools to do the little things they need to do to create the big things. Well, I think it's, it's very true that so much of training is very cookie cutter, right? You know, uh, even in sports like basketball that maybe aren't as differential about positions, a six, you know, a six ten guy is going to have very different roles and expectations, and have to meet different physical demands than a point guard, right? Who may be six three, and to train them the same is is kind of ridiculous, right? And but growing up in youth sports, especially, they're usually trained all the same way. Instead of realizing, hey, you know, I mean, shoot, I was a five three second baseman, and my shortstop was six, you know, I mean, was like five ten. We're not going to interact the same way. We're not going to physically. So how do you really go about that? Correct. So, yeah, you got to take the time to individualize people in their, in how they're going to develop. And that's even with team rules. I mean, I, I mean, I don't have the same rules for every child. I mean, everyone grows up differently. Yes, we have the basics, but you know what? In order to have that team, you have to all understand each other and respect what everyone has. And, you know, the rules are going to be a little bit different or maybe they're not called rules. Maybe they're called expectations. Maybe it's, it's more that. But to say that here are my 10 rules that you must follow, oh boy, I, I would say that most kids can't follow them. And so you're creating a real failure um, existence for that team or pointing figures or she's not doing this and I'm doing this, but I can't play. You're playing her, but she's, it's, you create things. Um, 
with those kinds of um, putting people in boxes. Well, and I would see this a lot in academics and in, in with injury. So you might have a kid that getting a 3.8 is really easy for them. You might have a kid that getting a 2.8 is let's throw a party, right? And so sometimes those expectations are going to be different. You know, with the injured kids, um, I remember having a kiddo that she spent so much time in rehab and rehab's not fun. Like it's, it's, it's very difficult. And, but then she would come and play and the kids were like, well, she's not at practice all the time. And I'm like, well, she's doing rehab and then she has to do this, you know, do this training so she can play. And it is like, not everything's going to be the same, right? No, and, it's yeah. not. And you, and, and when you do, when you talk about team chemistry, it's about everyone buying in. Mm-hmm. Everyone buying into the fact that these 15 or 12 kids, um, we all care about them. We care. And uh, as long as we know they're not lying to us and they're not out at the beach and, and not at practice, but maybe they just can't get there or maybe they're working because they have to work because they're, they have to pay for the ball. Um, you have to kind of, you know, do you want the kid on the team? Girls, guys. Do you want this player? What are you going to accept? What are you going to um, give back? Um, And I find that, you know, with most athletes, when you sit down and talk with them about maybe this kid needs us more than we need her or him, they start to buy in about the human part of the team. And when you have that human part, you got that caring part, you, that's called team chemistry. You don't need X's and O's. You're, you're just going to beat people because they're a gang. So when you see teams buy into this and really commit to this philosophy, how does that impact their performance as individuals and as a team? Well, all of a sudden, they're free. They're free. The, their minds are free. They, they, um, they come to the park knowing what they have to do. Everyone respects it. And when they play the game, they don't have to second they don't have that pause they fly yeah and they may make a mistake and that's going to be a positive because we all learn from it we all learn at that moment what that mistake was and you can't replace that in practice you can only replace that in a real situation when you can sit and talk about it and uh and, and you become a team that is much more capable of developing ideas, creativity, um, problem solving, because they're not looking for me. Mm-hmm. Coach, what do I do? Or look down after they take a swing at and say, what's wrong with my swing? No, I've get, you've hoped you've given the tools to problem solve mm-hmm. and to adapt to the situation that is the next pitch. And that skill is such an intangible that is going to really improve life down the road because they can't always be looking to an adult when they are adults, right? They're going to have to go, okay, I can problem solve. And this is where sports really does impact real life as they, as they grow up and go out on their own. We use that term problem solve so loosely and, but we really, I don't think allow it. Because problem solving means there's going to be mistakes. And I had a little girl today, I say little girl, she's 18, in the game, great athletic catcher, made a mistake on a drop third strike. And she comes off saying she's sorry. Sorry. I've done that too. I learned from it. This is your turn to learn from it. And we will get through it. And the other catchers on the team all learned from that mistake. We all did. So you, you have to look at mistakes as being growing points, not as being failures. Well, you've been around the game for 40 years. You've been coaching for 40 years. And how have you seen athletes handle failure? Because one of the biggest components that I see uh, with my clients is the fear of failure and judgment. It, it almost cripples them. And so how have you seen that change? Maybe it hasn't changed. Do you feel that kids struggle with that more now? Oh, I think, I think in most cases more. I think we have uh, some huge coaching egos, and they're afraid of failing. Um, and failure means I'm going to be pulled, or I'm going to be benched, or I'm going to be this. 
I learned that from my playing days, that fear. And I never wanted to have that fear installed in my players. That, you know, take, for example, today's doubleheader. Both lineups were out. I put the lineups out for both games. Doesn't matter if you strike out three times. You know what you're doing the next game. Because we've all been there. We've all done that. You know, but I will say to the girl who struck out three times, are you seeing the ball? And if she says yes, okay, now I'm back in my head, I know we got a little bit of problem here if you're seeing it. But if you come and say, you know what, I'm not seeing it, you know what, I'm going to give a pinch hitter for you. And she says, great, because she knows she's playing the next game. It's not a, a penalty. It's an honest team response to the situation. But I'm getting kids who are, have been abused, right? They're afraid. They're saying sorry on a ball field. How are you saying sorry? on a ball field so, like no it's not sorry it's okay you made a mistake but the fear factor has to be eliminated in order for an athlete or any human being at any situation to be able to fly to succeed with little resistance we we hold them back with that fear that fear give me your three swings strike out we'll work on that but don't be afraid that i'm going to punish you for a strikeout. I'm going, we're going to learn from that strikeout. Now that's taken me a long time too. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. I was a young coach at one time, but I think I've always been a little bit that way because I wanted to be as a young coach, someone who made athletes feel good because that's what I wanted a coach to make me support me because I'm doing my best that I can. And, you know, and I will admit to my athletes, I make mistakes. And I will be right there to tell you when I do, because we all are going to make them. And I made mistakes during games. And we'll talk about those. Well, I think that's a huge component about coaches admitting when they make mistakes. You know, I'll ask kids, I said, if your parent came forward and said, hey, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, would you respect them more? And everybody's like, yes, just, I would respect my parents, respect coaches. You know, I've also asked athletes, would you rather somebody sugarcoat your role on the team or be honest and say, Hey, this is your role. These are the things we need to work on. And they always say, I'd rather somebody be honest and work through it with me instead of hiding. Right. And I, and I think the also that expectation you talk about so many athletes, they put expectations on themselves that are unreachable, right? No athlete's going to go eight for eight every weekend. It's, it's, it's impossible, but they hold on to that so tight. Right. And it may be a coach expectation, their own individual expectation or a parent expectation. Right. So how would you help kids that maybe their expectations for themselves are kind of out of whack? Okay. That's delicate coach. Um, you know, like I say, I've got a whole bunch of new kids this year that have never played for me and I have a real realistic idea of where they're going to go to college right but none of them do because they haven't left the island yeah you know and I've got a little girl who thinks she's going to be an Oregon Duck I got a lot of work ahead of me she's excellent she is dang good she can play but not at Oregon so I've got to find a way to keep that dream going, but not crush her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not that, um, and it's for my kids unrealistic because they don't know, they haven't seen, they don't know what an Oregon duck really is or how those kids got there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've had some of my kids, um, you know, you had one that went with, Stanford, like you know, she was a Pac-12 kid. wasn't my wasn't my pick for her because it culturally I knew she was a little country pumpkin at six one. But parents and kids sometimes, even when they have the skill, don't understand where they can be successful in life. Mm-hmm. So I have my work cut off with this little one because she is really good, but she's not. Pac-12. Mm-hmm. So that's my job. Mm-hmm. That's why I've been doing this for 14 years. 
it's me guiding her to where she will be successful. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, and that's true. Like, you know, the expectations of where you're going to finish off uh, your career. I know I grew up in a Pac-12 world. Um, and so you just expect to go to the Pac-12, right? And and even if you are of that caliber, there's other, also other components that come into where is going to be the best fit. You know, I, I have a kid that's one of the best recruits in the country. And when she's looking at schools, it's not who's going to be the best, it's who's going to be the best fit. And will it be Oregon? Will it be Oklahoma? Will it be UCLA? All are top-notch programs, but what's going to be the fit? And some kids, like you said, the 6'1 lefty that played for me, her best fit was not at the D1 level because it just didn't match her personality. And that's fine. That's okay. She, she can have a great experience. It doesn't have to be always chasing the brass ring. You have to know what fits and what's going to be the, the best outcome for, for a student athlete. But as I say, we, we get, we get lost in, and as I say, the kind of glitz and glamor of what other things can be. And, 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 and just fine in her case, it was just her birthday yesterday. Um, it was more parent driven. It was keeping up with the Joneses with the other girl who was going to Utah. Um, so it was keeping up with the Joneses, not keeping up with what's best for my daughter. Um, who is a very bright child and, and environmentally aware. And, uh, you know, that beach kid, it's, um, you know, sometimes you just try to give them a second chance. And in that case, that girl got a second chance and not everyone gets a second chance. So, no. And, and, and I think it is really important that parents can be open to realistic expectations to help guide their kids in the best way possible. I mean, I, I, you and I see it every day working with kids of, of where they're going to be. I mean, I see it in my nine and 12 year old one as the athlete one is not. Um, and she's found something that's totally a different passion, you, you know? And so it's okay for parents to say, I want you to find what makes you happy. And maybe that's not being a D one all American. And you see, you know, and just take it across the border to Canada, which I would say 99% of all my parents have never even gone to a, a college softball game. Mm-hmm. Have no idea where at least your kids kind of bump into college coaches, kind of yeah. bump into college games. Our kids know nothing. Um, our parents know nothing. Um, when I first came and asked questions, everyone was going to Arizona State or Arizona, like ESPN Top 10. That's where yeah. I'm going, oh, my God. I've got so much education to deal with, or I'm going to have a lot of people mad at me um, for breaking kids' dreams Mm -hmm. when only really what I was trying to do is make their dreams come true Mm -hmm. so that they could be successful. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've had over 200 kids from our program go to the States. Um, Everyone with different experiences Mm -hmm. because after they leave, I can't control I can't control if they go to class. I can't control if they underage drink because in Canada, you can drink at the age of 19. And, you know, 80% of my kids spend time in jail because the U.S. police officers are not as nice as the Canadian guy who's going to make them pour it out and drive home. So that's that's kind of a good lead into getting kids ready for the next level. And it it may be going from, you know, little kids going up to high school, high school to college, but it's those, as I say, it's those intangibles again, you know, with my kiddos growing up, I said, Hey, I want you to work as hard as you can. I want you to be coachable. I want you to be the best teammate and I want you to enjoy your time. Like those are the, the big focus. And very rarely is that the main component of a team, but you do run your program that way. So what are mm-hmm. things that you would say, these are some skills or these are some ways to think about the game or the process of growing in this game that are really going to benefit you to take the next step in your development, both on the field and off the field? Um, you know, because we're always with that fact of we're Canadian. We have more to prove. We're, we, we can't just walk on a campus and throw the maple leaf out there. Um, it's more of a target. So you you have to be really good people you have to be able to reach out before don't expect people to reach to you you are someone coming in who may be getting more money 
and you are going to want them to like you. You got to work at, at just, you've already got the skill because I made the call. You've got that part, but can now you fit into a new culture? Can you fit in where you're not pissing people off? That you know what? That you're just trying to be a good person and good teammate and want everything that they want and uh, not more. And remember how you got there. It was hard work. And so the athletic part, kind of takes care of itself but the person part is reminding them that you're on a visa going to another country and uh, whether you really understand what that means that visa can be taken away and you will come home um, you have to be learn to be a good teammate and that may mean you got to reach out and maybe it doesn't feel so good some days you want someone to reach out to you but you're going to um, you're going to you're going to be more successful with honey mm -hmm. with those bees, right? Well, so, and I've seen I've seen kids go both ways. You know, I, I joke about the group that you sent, I, even though they've all graduated from college. I still refer to them as the Big Four, and um, they were a group that held really tight to each other. They bought in. They were great students. They were just four absolutely superb individuals and all of their careers were different between injury or, you know, when the coaching changed, whatever. But when they all left, they were still those great students and those great kids that really bought into being a great teammate. And that's one of my favorite things about that group because it was more than just playing softball for, sure. for them. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, and I create care totally is there's two things with me is, and I tell that to the parents as soon as they come in, I don't know if I'll make your kid a better ball player. I think it will happen, but they will be a better person. They'll be a better person in the hallway. They'll be a better person with the special ed students. They will be a better family member. Mm -hmm. And because if they aren't, they really can't move on. Now, if, you, if I go back to all my great athletes who have come out of there, they have been great people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, a, a match. Mm -hmm. you, you don't really be, you're not really going to be a jerk and really make it. Um, I don't care how good you are. You really have to, it kind of matches up. My best athletes have been my best people. Mm -hmm. um, and I say that to my coaches when I send them to you or to another coach. Mm -hmm. My kids know I'm honest. Hey, the kid can play, but damn, the package is thick mm -hmm. and the family is this. Um, and my kids know that that's the report. Like they know that I'm dealing with, you know, 200 kids in the academy who want to go to school in the States and you can't wreck it for any of us. Mm -hmm. Like you have to go in and understand that you're following ghosts. Ghosts got you there. People, other people got you there and we are not going to enable you to ruin it for others. Well, well, it's interesting. One of my best stories about recruiting is I had a kid that came in, phenomenal athlete, and I had her stay with my most outgoing, fun kid on my team. And when I, after the visit was over, it was a really hard visit. She barely spoke. I didn't know really what to do. And my team is super outgoing. My teams were always super outgoing. And her host calls me and goes, cause you can, we cannot recruit her. And I go, why? And she goes, she literally did not talk to us. She was on her phone the whole time. And I go, do you understand how good this kid is? And she goes, I don't care. And I was actually proud of my athlete for saying that. The kid ended up going to a JC. She wanted to go to a D1. But I followed up with that kid. And I said, there's something about you, kiddo. I said, and I'm not ready to let you go. I said, I will help you get recruited and use all my contacts. And I said, but if you ever go on a visit, and do what you did on mine and don't speak. I said, we're done. And she ended up with a full ride at the, at, at Kansas. And it's funny cause she texted me and we, we stay in touch. She goes, thank you for saying that. She goes, it has yeah. changed my world to be able to step up and talk. And that's the thing is these kids don't think that that component is going to impact them. Public speaking is one of our biggest components mm -hmm. because when you open your mouth, that's what people hear. It's, and, and it's building relationships, right? And it's really hard public speaking for kids 
for a lot of kids is, is terrifying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I can't get them to start speaking a little bit um, in front of their own peers, what the heck are they going to do <laughs> in the real world? Yes. Right. Yes. As, as I say, you got to prep them for visits. So they, you know, actually have a conversation with an adult, yeah. correct? So knowing all this and seeing this, why do you think that this part of the game, which is so important, whether it be helping them get to the next level or just being the best performer at the level they're at, why do you think this component is left out of so many organizations, so many programs? Coaches who put themselves, put the W, um, the summer ball coaches, the summer coach, um, are hurting some real development of people, of people skills. And, and uh, you know, they go home, I really feel that it's a reflection of them, um, that they're getting them the scholarship. They're getting the, them that. It, I'm the one who does this. It's, it's, they put the wrong uh, horse in front of the cart that's not supposed to be there. And... Um, it's the selfish. It's, um, I think summer ball has hurt drastically, um, kids in that some aspect because it's so much about winning, not so much development and the coaches that are in charge do it for all the wrong reasons. Mm. I believe, you know, I, I've never been paid to do summer ball. Um, and that's a crazy idea sometimes I, I throw up my head. Um, but that's not why I do it. I do it because I have something to give to kids that I think will help them succeed. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to have a speech with my club this week. I've got two kids who I've brought in and I've heard scrambling out in the, out in the fields. Why is this girl shows up and she's playing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, girls, it's about developing a team. I don't care if we pick up somebody yesterday. If I pick them up, they're going to play. I'm, everyone understand that? Like if you're picked to be on this team, you are going to play. Um, and in this case, uh, we don't have a lot of feeder. We have to do our own developing. Mm -hmm. So the two kids have, that have come in with no A-ball are great athletes. We're going to be better down the road. But see, I, I'm looking down the road, and these parents are looking at my kid only batted twice today. Mm -hmm. Well, if we don't keep building more teammates, we won't have a team. Mm -hmm. So you have, to, you have to, you know, and I guess, you know, in the state, sometimes you don't have that problem. You've got 100 kids trying out for one team. and. And so it's a whole different culture, mm -hmm. but I think, I don't think that culture is always positive. Well, in, in the States, what we see is that it's not about winning, which is totally ironic. Um, when I was growing up, it was all about winning and it was, now it's all about exposure and about going to the right clinic and having the right hitting coach. And, and I know for me, I wanted to watch kids that played on teams that won. I didn't want to have to have to teach them how to win when they got to college. Um, I would have uh, coaches come up to me and say, hey, do you want me to put this kid in? I'm like, if she's not good enough to make your top nine, she's not going to be good enough to make my top nine, right? And right. so for me, I was paying attention to those things. I wanted to see how a kid moved, how they interacted with their team, how they talked to their parents. It was yeah. more than just, hey, I went two for two. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because I know that you're very similar that the most important of my component of my coaching career is actually my alumni. I yeah. have loved staying connected to my alumni. Some of my dearest friends are my alumni and they have nothing softball to, to offer me. They just yeah. have who they are as people. And that's the best part. And, yeah. and that's the thing. It's when, you know, to see these kids develop into these great people, that is what makes working for free or working for very little for so many <laughs> and having so much work and stress makes it worth it. And I think we miss that, that, it's we got them the scholarship and then they don't matter instead of, hey, this kid is, you know, in her 40s now and I can't wait to hear what's going on in her life. Right. Yeah. And you I know, think we like, miss that. It, it's today I said something to my assistant coach who's been with me for so long. I said, you know, 
we got 15 kids on our team. I'm looking around with teams of 9, 10, 11. How come we've never had problems having girls wanting to play for us? I said, because, I mean, I know the answer, but it, it's, it's that fact of I've got 15 kids. I've got six assistant coaches who have all played for me in the past, and I've got teams that can't even get a coach. And I've got people stepping on, I'm pushing out of the way that I have so many coaches because they all still want to come back and be part. Mm -hmm. I have an alumni Christmas that I've started on December 23rd. I did it when I was in high school in Madison. My, I know if I go back to Madison on the December 23rd, I know what or where to go. I'm going to the college club bar on State Street because everyone who's home knows on the 23rd of December, if you're home, it's a place to drop into. Mm. Well, I started that. We get, I, well, I had 400 kids at Christmas. <laughs> Our school's only 400 um, at, on, at the best of days. So 400 kids, alumni showed up mm. for a Christmas drink. I mean, who would have thought that, you know, I mean, I always thought I'd get 400 death, death notices from... <laughs> You know, when you deal with family, but when you deal with the kids, totally yeah. different. different. Well, that's thing is, yeah, you're going to have some people that are going to be unhappy. But the thing is, is when you do things that are focused on the kid and helping them grow and, and pushing them to be better and them knowing that you do it for all the right reasons, people want to keep coming back because I was very similar. I, I always usually had at least a one alumni on my staff at all times. Um and a lot of it's because they were like, yeah, I want, I want to either stick with it or I want to come back because they love being a part of something that is real and genuine. Yeah. And the same thing with the academy. I only hire alumni. Mm -hmm. I, I used to hire outside people, but they all had different missions and I had to train them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to train my alumni. They slide in. They know sort of the mystics and the, and the nuances and the culture and they know what we teach. Yeah. And I've stopped. Unless you work, work, have graduated from the academy, you cannot work at the academy. Now, that, some people might say that's, that's pretty biased, but it works. And it, the, I don't have to deal with the negative of a coach pulling a kid because he wants to make more money on the side or doesn't agree with what I'm teaching or, you know, like I can walk away from my coaches and know what's being taught. Mm -hmm and know how they're treating kids. And that's the biggest. Because my academy is a classroom. It has to be just like the biology lab, the way kids are treated. It's not like, and, and, and I've had to, you know, that's probably where I've had to reprimand more for my coaches. You're not on the field. You're in a classroom. And this is, they're getting marks. And we're sending reports home. And... They're going home and talking about you guys. This is a classroom, and it's sooner or later, a principal is going to show up, a trustee is going to show up. This is not on the ball field where you can chew tobacco and say whatever you want. And, and no. And that's probably what I love about the academy the most. It's a classroom. Well, and the thing that I've seen in your athletes that have come and played for me is they 100% bought into the teachings of the academy. And and in some ways, it's a hard transition to go to some new stuff in college, but they were right there in that same mentality of, okay, coach, I'm going to do what you're asking of me. And one of the biggest lessons I always teach kids is, no matter who your coach is, you need to buy into the program. Because if you, everybody has their own separate agenda, the team's never going to move forward. I've, I've seen some coaches be very successful, and I'm just kind of – shaking my head going, oh my gosh, how are you successful? But it's because everybody bought in and is going in the same direction. And if I was going to give any advice to athletes or parents, it's if you're going to join an organization, buy in and have everybody go the same direction. If you have your own personal agenda, your kid is not going to be as successful as they could be. Correct. Mm -hmm. And buying in, you know, like, you know, because I do travel and I do talk to coaches and I hear what's being taught, and when I throw them a question, they go, which is sort of going against what they're teaching. They go, yeah, you're, you're right. Kind of. It's just they haven't taken time to see what we're talking about. 
-hmm. you know, and, and I'm lucky, you know, like because of who my son is, I'm getting first rate stuff. I'm not getting stuff that's 10 years old. I'm getting stuff that's the heartbeat of the game. So it's, it's kind of now easier to buy in since he's now on the major league staff. People are, are talking to me that never have talked to me before <laughs> at the ballpark um, because they finally bought in just because he finally hit that platform that they think is successful. But I think that's a super good point, Rocky, because so many coaches are not humble enough to say I could learn from somebody else. I see that all the time. And I know for me, uh, going up to Canada and seeing what you did, oh my gosh, I stole so much stuff and started doing it back in the States. Because as I say, I'm like, you look at the game differently than I do. And you, I mean, you break down mechanics in ways that my brain just doesn't even think. And one of the biggest things that gets in the way as coaches is, is not saying that we can learn from somebody else and incorporate that into the game. None of us are going to know everything about a sport and none of us have, you know, as good as strengths. Like your strengths are going to be different from mine. So as I say, I'm going to steal, uh, steal yours and abuse yours as much as I can. But we also as coaches have to be humble enough to do that. And I think our sport is the last to really get into the technology world. Mm -hmm. I mean, the other sports of golf, basketball, hockey have all got into the technical stuff way more analytics than baseball did and we had to steal it from golf i mean basically every analytic piece of equipment we have has come from golf and it's taken us a while we were close what you were teaching carrie and what i was teaching 20 years ago we're close mm -hmm. it was what we thought mm -hmm. but now we got real vivid proof of really mm -hmm. what happens and it becomes easier mm -hmm. when you actually can see proof and not someone saying this is how I do it and, but now when you see proof yeah. that this is really what happens when you spin the ball or this is really what happens as you swing a bat or how you create power if you got proof kids buy in because they're analytic kids huh. are way ahead of us well as I say I I hate going to little league fields and it's not because I'm watching little kids it's because I can't handle listening to put your elbow up um, yep. because I want to say that is 40 years old and we have not stepped forward with the, with the game. Right. Um, and, and I crack up with my husband, uh, and cause he said, he goes, I don't think I want to coach Alex's teams. He doesn't listen to me. I go, well, he listens to me, but he knows what I tell him gets results. Right. Um, yep. and so he'll be like, oh, that worked mom. So I'm going to do that. But that's the thing. It's like the game is changing all the time and our technology and our understanding of movement. Body and I know, movement. you know, and I know for me, you know, I've always de definitely been on the relational side, but as kids change, we have to change within that, right? right. You know, we can't keep coaching them the same way or raising them the same yeah. way that we, that, you know, Carson and your daughter were raised because that's two, gener you know, it's two generations away. So we right. have to be more open-minded to what our kids need now to help them launch into being better performers and better people. And, you know, for my kids, you know, the new step that for me is, you know, we do what's called yoga hitting um, and everyone's kind of bought into the PVC pipe and the noodles. And why? Because we've shown them their body deficiencies, why their bodies aren't moving. You can't do what I'm asking you to do. You're not flexible enough. And God help me, I can't do it, but I'm 64. I don't have to do it anymore. But I know it, it limited me yeah. um, not knowing this information. Yeah. Um, so my kids now have carry a PVC pipe. Um, otherwise, they're not allowed to get on the tee. But they also have seen the Seattle Mariners do it 30 minutes before they get on a tee. So when you have role modeling happening, it's an easy sell. Yeah. An easy sell. Well, and I think that is probably the most important thing for the adults in these, in these athletes' lives is be humble to learn more, you know, uh, I know my my dad, when I was 14, looks at me and goes, you know way more about softball than I do, so I'm not even going to try, right? You know, I know that the best coaches I've been around are always learning, 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 and it, it, it comes from different areas. Like I say, I'm a counselor, and I have coaches come talk to me about stuff all the time that has nothing to do with hitting or fielding or pitching or shooting a basketball, but as at the highest level, they have to be holistic individuals, 
And we, we are doing them a disservice if we only do X's and O's. It's never going to get them to the next level. And, and that's why this COVID, when we had to go online for the last quarter, we had, my staff, I'm so proud. Um, I said, I, I don't know if the kids are going to do it. We're, we're not there, right? We're not there. We don't know if they're really doing it or if they're just complying with us. But we'll know in the end if yeah. we lost ground, ground or we gained ground. But I said, what we will do was we will have produced a 50, 60-page document that parents know we know. Parents know we know our stuff because it's on document. And, and that's from every day from whether it was cooking, whether it was body movement, whether it was um, a catching drill, whether it was a hitting drill. I mean, it's all been laid out in, in so many different ways that um, I was proud of my staff to say, see how much you know? Don't, don't ever think you don't know more than they do. You know more. Well, I think as, this, you know, as we continue through COVID, but especially in the beginning, it has given us opportunities to look at the game differently, for athletes to choose to look at other avenues they could perform better you know kids didn't have cages in their backyard they didn't have basketball hoops necessarily but they could break down the game and as i say develop this sport iq that hopefully will launch them to be at even a higher level than when they started because i know you know i went through injury that i took six months off and if i and i did certain training that made me a better athlete could i pick up and hit a ball nope but you use that time as effectively as you can and just because you're not on a field doesn't mean you can't be improving and just because you're not in the gym or just because you're not, how are you going to adapt? What else do you got around the house? Like, you know, survival, like be creative. I mean, and we even had units on being creative in lifting or being creative in body movement. Mm-hmm. Teach us, you know, we got a hundred kids. What did you learn? Teach us, give back. Mm-hmm. And I think we, that's how we have to teach our athletes. They have more tools than we ever had. We didn't have it. We, we listened to a radio. We listened, watched on TV. We mimicked. I always say to a kid, don't believe what I say. Go research it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want you to just follow me off, off a cliff. I want you to research this and come back and say what you found out. And maybe we'll find that happy medium. But be your own coach. I want my kids when they leave to be able to coach themselves and have the ability. Well, that's why I never got bothered when an ath- a student athlete would say, why are we doing it this way? Mm-hmm. If I mean, there's a way they can, they can deliver that, but right. if they didn't understand and I could explain it, that's going to only show more value of them buying in. So if somebody says, Hey, can you explain why we our hand path is this way? Or, you know, why we shoot a basketball this way or why we spin the ball this way? If you can explain that and they, they can go, oh, well, that makes sense. When they go to work and train on, on that skill, their full effort's going to be there. And so, as I say with coaches, it's okay for kids to say, hey, you know, can you explain to me why we do that? I say that at the beginning of practice. Hey, if you don't understand, you can ask. I'm never going to take offense to that. Correct. No, yeah. And you know what? Where that transfers is that we hope all these kids become a coach. Yes. And when they go and I watch my kids work with coaches, with kids, they hurt me. They hurt me. Mm-hmm. They may not be able to do it, but they've got it in their data bank. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come on at some time. It's all going to come together because they have the knowledge. And knowledge is powerful. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what age. I don't care if they're 12 years old and I'm teaching them a reverse dribble. They may not be able to do it but I've given them the knowledge that they can work on it. And someday that reverse dribble is going to make them smile. And, and I think as a coach, one of the best things is to see one of your former athletes become a coach. I think yep. that's one of the most, um, you know, like just refreshing and just makes you excited that you have done this for your whole career to see them pass on that knowledge. The only hard part, Karen, you know, this is that when they come back and they're eager to coach, I got to remind them, you were that little girl too. (laughs) You were that little guy too. You didn't do it right. You weren't focused all the time. You weren't always on time. So 
step back, girl. It's yep, it's the player it, it's graduate. A, it's a player coach transition when you know yep. they will look and go, was I like that? I'm like, oh heavens, yes, there yes. were moments. Yeah, yeah, we all were. Yeah. But <laughs> yes. now you, but be aware of that. Be aware of what you were, how you got there, and what you didn't like. You don't don't. For me, probably getting to where I'm at is not so much the coaches that I loved to play for. It was making sure I was not that coach that I didn't enjoy playing for. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that's, that's astronomical is you want your kids to walk away and no matter what has happened on the field, winning or losing is I am glad that I chose to play for that coach and I had a great experience. And I think that that is something as in the sporting world that we really need to focus on uh, striving for. I think we're, we're falling a little short, but hopefully mm -hmm. this time away from our kids and this time away from our sports. Um, you said this before we even got online was it's made me realize that priorities are just different. And I'm hoping that everybody can look at it and say the people in sports is what makes this so valuable, not just the win, the no, wins. And you losses. know what? And you know, one of my most valuable experiences probably was in basketball. I never did a 30 second drill for any of my teammates, my teams. We, I would stand and go, we will never do 30 second drills because I hated them. And I always thought coaches did that because they didn't work us hard enough during practice. So they had to make up for it at the end and make us hate coming back to practice. I said, as long as you give me a hundred percent in all my drill work and I visually can see you're tired we will walk out of here shooting free throws and we're done for the night and you will want to come back. But it has to be a partnership on how these practices operate. So if you want to lollygag, we can do that old traditional suicide drill. You'll hate it. I'll hate making you do it, but you didn't put out in practice. And as a coach, that's my job to make sure you're dead tired during my drill work. And that's where our sport care needs to get better. We need to make practices tougher. Like in our hitting, for my hitting, we have hack attack machines, but you know they're going 60, 61. Our hitting is hard. You, you gotta adjust, but I'm not sitting there anymore with flips. I'm not sitting anymore where you look good in practice and you can't make an adjustment in a game. Mm -hmm. I didn't do any service. I didn't do anything for you except disabled you. Mm -hmm. It's crucial to create as much pressure in practice. So when they get into games, it's, it, it's just gone. Right. And I do think that that is true in our sport that it, and it is difficult to create that pressure in, in the sport of baseball and softball in, in some ways. But I think with a high failure sport, They've got to be ready to be able to handle whatever pressure comes. And, and the higher level that you get, the more pressure there is. And so I know a lot of athletes are like, oh, this was unfair or this was too difficult to practice. But it's helping them transition into a game situation that they are 100% prepared. Correct. Game, that whole thing of what we call ac acquisition, which is your T, for us is the T work flip to the competition, which is our machines are going top flight to tee the test, which is a game. Mm -hmm. So I don't allow my coaches to coach during the competition. Mm -hmm. You're wasting my time. I got other hitters. Bring her back to the acquisition. Bring her back to tee work. Talk with her all you want. Flip with all you want. But she has to be able to problem solve or he has to be able to problem solve during the competition so that we can transition into the game. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've always been upset at myself, having all this indoor facility and going, but are we really any better coming out? Because we haven't used the time to go to, to be game ready. And so competition is imperative mm -hmm. if you want to see transition into a game where you feel like you've you've um complimented the kids mm -hmm. kids don't like it kids no. hate it but they it's hate it, it. but one of the best my old my assistant used to say this all the time about compete and support 
you know, during the week you compete with your teammates for your position, you support them on the weekends. And that's why you've seen some rosters get big. They went from having these little rosters and then Arizona went to like 24 a couple of years ago. Why? Because they wanted to create that competition all the time. Because yes. if you can't handle it in practice, how are you going to transition into games? And that's one of the things that I would hear from athletes all the time is you never gave me a shot. And I was always very upfront that I said, practice is your shot. If you cannot hmm. get it done in practice, why, when I amplify the pressure, do you think your game's going to improve? They didn't like that, but it's that kind of life. the nature of the beast. And at the collegiate level, the expectations go up. But and that's you know the what? thing is. And that's, but you see that what you're getting is from the, the summer teams who they have their 12 kids. They're playing, you know, you're going to get your playing time. And then what do you mean when you go to college? I don't get the same playing time? No. no. Because all of you at the college level are good. So we kind of create that nightmare in a, a little bit. And, you know, where I hope that my kids I have, have found the ability to fight through. Mm -hmm. to fight through and i think that's a really true message because you know when you go off to college everybody was all state everybody was player of the year i i played next to a two-time all-american i played with uh, the utah home run record you know and so you have kids that are are so talented that you are as i say you are gonna have to step up your game in a huge way um to be able to compete and so that's the thing is that's why that pressure has to be built along the way so when you transition to every next step up whether it be from 10u to 12u you know you're going to be prepared for the next level of pressure so you know just a, a short story about cars when i saw him play in laredo texas like what a good father hey <laughs> um but coach tidwell was one of the main reasons carson made it to where he's at but i was at a game coach tidwell knew i was there and uh Carson did something wrong and Tidwell goes, so I could hear Carson next year. I'm going to bring in two or three catchers and Carson goes coach and I'll still be here. So it's kind of that grind it out, grind it out, grind it out and uh, be prepared for the next day. Absolutely. Well, Rocky, I greatly appreciate it. You gave such a good insight that I think just gets totally unrepresented and a lot of coaches and parents and athletes don't understand what may be limiting them from getting to the next step. And I think these intangibles are really what we see in athletes to take the next step. Um, as I say, whether it be from 10U to 12U or whether it be from being in, in a high school club setting to the Division One level, from Division One in some sports to the pro. So I greatly appreciate your insight. As I say, I love that you see so much of the game that is outside of the box of what most people in the world of sports um see and and you definitely give your kids such an advantage by being that creative outside the box coach so i greatly appreciate your time i hope that uh you guys get to back to some you know get to keep playing ball as much as you can with covid um because i know your kids absolutely love playing for you and i want to get down to seattle so i can actually get to a mariner game sometime <laughs> in, in the near future well okay yeah, as i say here's hoping okay yeah. bud i appreciate it so much okay. adios if you are a coach or an administrator and want Coach Cause to meet with you or your team, you can contact me at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.